Hello, and welcome to the Treehouse Letter, where we share true story, letters, and thoughts on everything that matters and just as much that doesn't. I am Milan Shatton, your host and producer. And for today's, today's podcast, I want to talk about summer's end. Late August meant vacation. If in town, it meant more parking, easy shopping, and less traffic. As a child, the family business tethered me to an insular life, volatile at times in its routine and intimacies. At middle age, with two children gone and one in the last year of high school, I'm not sure what summer means anymore. It's different now because travel was a part of my family's summer, or at least I made it so. Summer was escape to Alaska or Norway or Australia. Faraway places seemed better, more appealing, a place so remote that we were out of reach, off the grid. If that wasn't doable, there was the road trip to Bar Harbor, Montreal, Prince Edward Island. How different from my own childhood, stocking liquor on the shelves or folding clothes at the laundry, captive to the family business. I have the means to get away and take the kids now, and I changed the pattern I had known. But was it better? Did my kids like going away? It seemed so on their faces, the excitement of packing and planning and seeing new places. In high school, they wanted home time to hang with friends, to play sports. And the sports. No longer confined to the school gym or fields, sports became year-round, the gradual end to family hikes and bike rides, replaced by team and club practices, games and tournaments and showcases. Meanwhile, friends left for summer homes on Nantucket and the Cape, going back every year. The neighborly faces, a mutual retreat, a break from the tedium the solace of the ritual. E.B. White writes of this in Once More to the Lake, so potent that when he takes his own son, it's clear there's no going back. The end is chilling. I tried something similar, and my children have memories of the Adirondacks and fishing on Saranac Lake. But then we stopped going when the owners stopped renting. No more lake. No more Adirondacks. The tweens opted for sports camps, and soon the oldest was gone and the youngest alone at home. My parents came from different ends of the globe, but it was hard to put down roots. My husband and I connected because we like to travel. And I've been in one place too long, close to 13 years My town is full of fascinating people, from urban commuters to society mavens and executives, celebrities and homesteaders, the ones who grew up and came back. There's the widow down the lane, a former French professor and Proust fan. There's the widow up the lane, a military wife from Japan. She's demolishing the house, a wreckage of wood and shingles and insulation. Her husband died last winter. I didn't know them, but it seems she's shedding the shackles of a life, the walls of their years, as lover, as nurse, 
Maybe she sees a freedom just as far away. Summer is the sanctuary one makes for herself. The books, the places, the activities you choose or those chosen for you. My father became a hermit in his dotage, retiring to his routine, to his house, to his chair. When I lived in Germany and I asked him to visit, he said he'd done that already. He had worked in Vietnam and met my mother. They had traveled. And maybe the collapse of Saigon killed his sense of adventure. He was happy to sit in the same place each night to read his papers, to watch the news and late night shows. My mother filled the hours with work. She had a day job and a second job, and then she came home to cook. And when she wasn't working, she was shopping. One fed the other. Make money, spend money. Her great loves were cooking and gardening. As a retiree, escape for her is a room filled with flowers. Orchids lining the walls in potted stands like ranks of soldiers. The VIPs seated artfully on the altar where she burns incense and chants prayers. Travel is no longer in the equation, and leaving home for a few hours makes her nervous. A tropical storm hit, and she stayed with me, reluctant and nervous for home and flowers. She woke in the night and insisted she leave in the deluge of rain the next day. She fears her trove is so precious, so valuable, that others would take it from her. A large painting hangs upstairs, a girl by the seashore, squatting with a shell in hand. On the adjacent wall are framed pictures of my children kissing a dolphin. The kitsch photos the theme park sold us. Nora's curls, the side of Kara's cheek, my son's rounded belly. Guests stay here when they visit, which is often. I host because I have the space and I'm close. After the family reunion, I clean the room to find body parts limbs, and head arranged on the floor. The Madame Alexander's doll's yellow dress, still on the torso, in the elastic band which held the head, severed. It was carefully taken apart like an intern's first surgery. Probably my husband's nephew. He visited during the reunion and offered no apology. No warning, just remnants of the doll. An image of naked Barbies under the sink had crept into my mind. My girls had known dolls. My nephews likely had not. It was plain curiosity. Just what holds it together? What is inside? My children's college friends who stayed here told me about the eyes, the doll's eerie eyes. They had never mentioned it during the years they had visited, but it slipped out after graduation. They had turned the dolls around to face the wall. So I went to go check on the doll's eerie eyes. Two American dolls. The eyes would close when they reclined. I put one in a trunk and gave one to a friend. I found three Madame Alexander dolls, maybe 10 inches tall, and an Anna Green Gables doll on her stand. I tucked Anna away and faced the others towards the wall. I imagined that the dolls were a comfort and compliant playmate, since generations of girls love them. But dolls also feature in horror films and stories. The inanimate becoming animate. The host for the ghost, like Chucky and Rob the doll. These are shelves of something, of the idea of someone else in charge. 
dressing them and posing them, telling stories. It's not much different than playing house or making a home or planning summer, one's escape. The 22nd of September marks the beginning of fall and summer's end, the start of school, cool mornings, army football games with the smell of sausage smoke from the tailgate. My third child is the only teen in the family on the verge of adulting. She had her last first day of high school. Try that again if you're new to it. The last first day. It's a thing with social media posts of kids and their new duds. For my daughter, that means a navy uniform skirt and psycho bunny polo, a pair of Air Force One sneakers. Long hair slipped together with an elastic. She came with me during my 30-year college reunion this past weekend to spend an overnight at West Point, my alma mater. My son, who was a cadet there, came by with her during my classmates' retirement ceremony. Hundreds of us officers and veterans had more fun on the sideline reviewing the cadets online in parade, rifles on their shoulder, eyes locked ahead, the heat of the rising sun beating into their necks and arms. In Indian summer, the midday sun was baking into my arms as well in the football stadium. At the end of the first quarter, I head up to concessions in the shade, running cool water onto my hands and wrists in the bathroom. Army rolled over Yukon by 31 points, and the season was in full gear with three wins and zero losses. Summer in Alaska with the family, my oldest child's graduation now seem a world away. Classmates debated the merits of life's next stage, maybe Florida or Colorado, Tennessee, now that they're empty nesters. The Army with its orders and assignments was, for most of us, another era. 19 moves, one of my classmates said. He's still assigned on active duty as a medical doctor. He's in the minority, because most of us had to leave the military at 30 years, unless they made flag officer. Just how is a life put together? The internal bands and parts, the machinery on the inside that holds the doll together. Seems for once, I get to fashion it in a way that I want. Summer for work and writing, or summer for fun and family. Fall at West Point, watching football with my son and his friends. From an emotional and temporal distance, he is a cadet in his fatigues, and I as a grad in my civvies. I'm not sure what summer means anymore, but it's fall now, and I have to get ready to host my teenager's volleyball dinner and prepare for the next Army football tailgate. That's the end of today's podcast. Please visit thetreehouseletter.com to see pictures and learn more about summer's end. And thank you for listening. Um.